And God, we ask, just while you're still standing, let's just invite the Holy Spirit really to meet us as we open up the words in Scripture. And Lord, would the meditations of our hearts be accepted, acceptable to you, Lord? Would you fill uh, the, your words in Scripture um, to make them come alive to us this morning as we study and we grow together? Thank you for this time of singing, the time of supporting and encouraging uh, and being encouraged by our missionary friends and this time of fellowship, Lord. We love you and we're grateful today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we're going to talk about the church uh, a little bit today. Uh, Paul's going to guide us as we're moving along in our study of 1 Corinthians. And, um, you know, the church is really a, a unique entity. Uh, there are no other organizations like the church in the world. Uh, when you think about all of the different elements of society, the entities that populate our society, the fabric of who we are as a, as a community, there's really nothing like the church. And so it's important for us to understand what the church is, uh, if we want to do church well, which is something that we want to do, right? We want to do church well. In fact, the language that we're using coming out of 1 Corinthians is a healthy body. We want to be a healthy body. The church is often referred to in the scriptures as the body of Christ, and we want to be a healthy body. And that's what the Apostle Paul is leading us to understand in new and fresh ways on a deeper level as we continue to work our way through the study of 1 Corinthians. Now, sometimes when we don't understand the church, we will look to uh, other entities, other organizations to help us gain some understanding. And so we might look, for example, to the business world and how businesses are run, and we might ask the question, well, how do we conduct church in a way that can be informed by the world. So if you look back in the history of Christianity in the United States, you'll see that in the 70s and 80s and 90s and the aughts, there were all kinds of leaders within the church who were looking to the business community to try to understand how to have a good organization. And, um, you know, there were some things that uh, fit and there were some things that maybe didn't fit. And we're in a bit of a period of evaluating what eventually came to be known as the church growth movement, um, that association with uh, business and organization like that. Uh, more recently, uh, within the church context, you know, we feel this pressure to align with certain social movements. Uh, and again, there are things that are similar. It's complicated, right? When we think about... Um, <clears throat> leadership in the business world, there are elements of leadership within the church that align with things that you would discover in a nonprofit organization or business. And there are elements of the various social movements in our society that align with what we are trying to do as a church. It's complicated, but at the end of the day, the church is unique. It's unlike any other organization in the world, any other entity in the world. And we would do well to dig deep to really understand what the church is, to understand what a healthy body is. I mean, for example, the scope of the church is massive. We're dealing with people's lives and all eternity, every facet of a person's life and all eternity. And so we shouldn't be surprised when sometimes 
the church feels odd. It feels unique. And that's what Paul has been trying to communicate to us in these last uh, uh, passages that we've studied uh, recently in 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. Uh, Paul has been saying that the message and the manner of the church is often received by us as foolishness if we're comparing it to the world. It doesn't align with what we would expect. Um, The message of the church has a different scope, a different focus, a different mode. It's unlike anything else. So the question then is, what is the church, right? How do we we understand it? How do we categorize it? And the Apostle Paul is going to make another uh, deposit into our collective understanding of what the church is today. Uh, And so I'm going to ask you to invite you to open up to 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9 together, and I'm going to tell you right up front what I'm hoping we will see in this passage, so that as I read it to you, you can begin already to be uh, seeing uh, the, the key themes here. In this passage, Paul's going to be saying to us that a healthy church has three things. It has spiritual people, spiritual leaders, and spiritual outcomes. A healthy church has three things, spiritual people, spiritual leaders, and spiritual outcomes. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 9. Paul writes, uh, but, I, bro- uh, but I, brothers and sisters, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed? As the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So Lord, help us to open up this text and understand it for your glory. Uh, Now, three points. Uh, The first one is that healthy churches have spiritual people. And Paul's calling out the Corinthians here uh, because they are still not ready, he says, for solid food. They're still not ready for solid food. When he first visited them, he gave them milk. But now, and it's probably been about five years since he first visited them, they're still not ready. They're still only ready for what he calls milk. And, and you ask, well, how does he know that? And the answer is because they are beset with jealousy and strife in verse 3. That, that jealousy and that strife is a sign that they're still uh, lacking in maturity, that they're still um, needing to be fed milk. Uh, They've split into camps with some saying, I follow Paul, 
so Paul's referring to himself here, the Apostle Paul, the, the writer of this letter. And others are saying, I follow Apollos. So Apollos was another uh, powerful um, Christian worker, minister during that time, who um, you know had a powerful ministry, teaching ministry, and so he would have been at Corinth maybe after Paul and was ministering to the community there. And the community had divided up into camps. They were some were saying that we, they followed Paul, and some were saying that they followed Apollos, and this was causing division within the church. And Paul says that the problem with them at this point is that they're behaving in a human way. You see that in the text? Uh, now this starts to get a little bit interesting. They're behaving in a human way. So a Christian implication is to transcend human ways of behaving. A Christian is to transcend human ways of behaving and attain to something we might call superhuman. Interesting. What does it mean to be something more than merely human? Well, and the answer to that question is in the preceding context. And so uh, I'm actually going to kind of rewind the tape to last Sunday and go back to the text that Pastor Paul preached on, starting in verse 6 of chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and read it in its fullness because I think when you start to understand what Paul is saying here, this text becomes increasingly important. That they're to transcend functioning in the human way and there's something else out there that they're to embrace, they're to grasp onto, they're, they're to live into. So verse 6 in chapter 2, Paul writes that, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age, or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for, they had, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So something connected to that misunderstanding of what's really going on in the world, thinking in a human way, behaving in a human way, caused them to miss what Jesus was doing on the cross. But as it is written, verse 9, what no eye has seen, this is where it gets kind of potentially exciting for us, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. So there's something beyond merely functioning and behaving in a human way that is much grander and more mysterious and more wonderful. And we, as the people of God today, continue to have the opportunity to tap into that. These things, verse 10, God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Here's the answer. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. That we might understand the things freely given us by God. That's what it means to behave in a supernatural way. is to be connected to the things that come from God and not merely the things of this world. Verse 13, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So... To be more than human is to be spiritual. 
That's what the text is saying. That's what Paul is trying to impress upon us. And, and the beautiful possibility and opportunity that, that we can be more than human in Christ. We can be spiritual. And to see the, the world from a spiritual perspective. Which ends up being a, an absolutely crucial way of moving through a world that is oftentimes confusing to us. The things that we experience, the circumstances we find ourselves in are often confusing to us because we're thinking from a human perspective. We're enjoying the change of, of seasons. I think it was yesterday morning, I went out to get some coffee. It was my Sabbath and uh, it was really early and, and there was nobody out on the streets and the leaves were just everywhere, right? The trees were dropping their leaves and then the, the colors of the trees were just popping and I was moved as I went to get my coffee early in the morning by the change of seasons and trying to relish and enjoy the change of seasons. Now, uh, I used to think about something like the change of seasons in the following way. I would say to myself, well, the seasons are a fact. God works with me uh, and his people in various kinds of seasons. And so, therefore, God must be true because God aligns with the reality of the world. Okay? Then, as I continue to eat solid food, to read the scriptures, to understand the absolute centrality of God as creator, my perspective on the seasons changed. No longer did I start with the fact of the seasons, I begin to start with the fact of God. God is the first fact. And then I look at the seasons. And I realized that the seasons were intentionally designed by God so that I would understand it for a purpose. And that purpose is for me to understand who God is. In fact, this is true of all of creation. In the beginning, we look at creation and it's the first fact. It's what we know and what we understand. And it gives us the mental furniture to be able to make the leap to understand who God is. And then as we continue to know God and we realize the centrality of God as creator and redeemer of this world, we start to see everything differently. We start to realize that everything that God has created uh, is, is, is intended, intentionally created the way it has been created as a pointer to God for us to understand who God is. And the problem with the Corinthians in this moment is they're, they're starting from the human perspective. The fact is, is, is what they can see, the human leadership in the Corinthian church. And Paul is calling them to look deeper, to look higher, to change their gaze. And what you find over and over in your journey with God is that uh, all kinds of shifts from a human perspective, from behaving in a human way, to behaving, behaving in a spiritual way are unfolding as you navigate the difficult and challenging circumstances of your life. And this is a really important thing for us to get. 
especially as we move forward in the book of Corinthians, as Paul brings some more challenging and interesting and difficult topics onto the table, we're going to need to remember this dynamic uh, of the spiritual way of looking at things. So we'll, we'll be circling back to this. But throughout the course of your journey with Jesus, all kinds of shifts from a human to a spiritual need to occur. And the way that they occur is a combination of three factors. And this comes from this text that we're looking at. First of all, we need to bring a readiness to see the world differently than we have. Paul says to them, you're not ready. You're not ready. In this particular case, what they've been doing is they have this concept of what a good speaker is, what a, what a good teacher is. Um, and it's rooted in, in sort of their, their cultural understanding. And they're, they're taking that understanding and applying it to Paul and saying, you know what, you're just not that interesting. You're not exciting. You don't use big words and, 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 and deep thoughts. You know, and, and so they're using that, that human way of thinking and applying it to Paul when he's trying to teach them about spiritual things. They're not open. They're not ready yet. So we need to be ready if we're going to see things in a spiritual way. Um, and secondly, we expose ourselves to the Spirit of God. One of the things that we've been focusing on, if you remember when we first launched our Spiritual Disciplines initiative, we looked at this text in chapter 2. Um, about connecting, plugging into the Spirit of God. And so we need to expose ourselves to spiritual things if we're going to begin to think in spiritual ways. And the spiritual disciplines are one of the key ways that we do that. Um, Maybe your discipline is scripture reading. And so when you decide not to plug in to Instagram for a period of time during the day so that you can plug into the scriptures, what you're doing in that moment is you're making a conscious decision to expose yourself to spiritual things. And that's going to change the way that you look at the world and the way that you frame what's happening in your life. And so spiritual disciplines, whether it be scripture or prayer or even celebration, the one that I've chosen is is to work on celebration, to celebrate the things, the positive things that God is doing in my life. All of these help us to expose ourselves to spiritual truths. And then thirdly, we let go of the obligation to be like the world. And this is why Paul is, is using this word foolish all throughout this entire section. It's foolishness to us to follow the ways of Christ at many times because it's what he's saying is it's different than what the world thinks. And so it appears to be foolishness, but it's, the, it's actually the wisdom of God. And there's a, there's a sense in which we all feel obligated to follow the ways of the world. And that can become a barrier to us growing and receiving spiritual truths from God. And so what he's wanting to do is to free us from that obligation. It's okay to be foolish in the eyes of the world. It's okay to be foolish in the eyes of the world. In fact, that's going to put you in right in the place where you need to be to receive the truths of God, which, which are going to be different. And the beautiful thing about the fact that they're different is that now uh, you could actually change. You know, what you've been doing may not have been working, but now with new information, spiritual truths from God, you can change the way 
that you live. And so we're on this journey together and Paul's calling the Corinthian church and by extension, he's calling us, Solano Community Church, to be on this journey of individually and collectively becoming a people who are spiritual, who see the world in spiritual ways and not merely in human ways. The second thing, and and these are really tied together, he says, is that healthy churches have spiritual leaders. And so he takes this concept where he's saying, you know, you need to be spiritual people, people, and he applies it to their view of leadership, the way that they've been looking at the leaders in their community. He takes an interesting little digression here in verses five through eight, um, and he sort of waxes philosophical uh, on the subject of leadership. And his goal is to dislodge them from their attachment, either, remember, remember they're attaching to him, the Apostle Paul, or to Apollos. He, his goal in talking about leadership in this way is to dislodge them from their attachment to either him or to Apollos because that's creating division within the church. Uh, and in the process of, of, of dislodging them, he says some fascinating things about leadership within the church. And these are some things that are going to be different, make the church unique from the world around us. Again, uh, this is gonna help us wrap our brains around what it means to be the church. So look again at the text, chapter three, verses five. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. There's some really interesting things in this text. In other words, he's saying that actually the Lord assigned some of you to come to faith in Christ through my ministry, Paul says, and the Lord assigned some of you to come to faith or to grow in maturity in Christ through the ministry of Apollos. But God was orchestrating all that. He cares about you so much. He was even orchestrating how you would come into contact with the message of the gospel. Verse six, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one and each will receive his wages according to his labor. He basically says to them, you guys are looking at church leadership in a human way. Your gaze is too low, too worldly. You need to look up. You need to look higher. You need to look more spiritually. And he says, he makes a couple of interesting points here. He says that leaders in the church are merely servants. They're just servants. Each is assigned his task. Some are assigned planting and some are assigned watering. And they understand what their task is. Each congregant is assigned a servant for a task. That's interesting to me, but it may only be for a period of time and then you may receive ministry from somebody else. And so that shifts. And at the end of the day, all of, all of those are just details because only God gives the growth. Only God gives the growth, whether it be the initial coming to faith in Christ as Lord and Savior or the ongoing process of growing into deeper understanding of what it means to live according to Christ as Lord and Savior. All of it, God gives the growth because it's spiritual growth. It's growth growth that only God can give. And Paul Apollos and Miguel 
and each one of you, because each one of us ministers to one another, we're all just servants carrying out the task that God has given us in the precious life of the person who is before us. In other words, what he's saying here is that ultimately, Jesus, the Lord, is your pastor. That's who your pastor is. And, and, and Paul and Apollos are one because they're just each doing their small portion of the task that the Lord is orchestrating. So I do, I do a, a fair bit of uh, traveling with my church planting work and I have this experience. Um, I get to meet some pretty amazing people, people who are doing uh, wonderful things in the kingdom of God and they're sharing with us or we're partnering together in ministry. And um, I have this moment, I have this experience often, this is me being a little transparent with you, uh, where I sort of feel like the Queen of Sheba when she, comes to King, when she comes to see King Solomon. And I'm sitting with these people and, I, and they're explaining, you know, what their ministry is. And I just, you know, it's like this, it's like I'm in such awe of what they're doing. It's like the spirit, you know, like the Queen of Sheba, the spirit goes out of me. Just like, what am I doing with my life, right? You probably have moments like that where you encounter people and you have that sense of, of just awe. And, and what this text is reminding me, what Paul is reminding me right now is that, Andrew, when you do that, you're just seeing in a human way. You are looking at things in a human way because you are one with that person. That person is one with you. And you're both nothing because it's God who gives the growth. So relax and enjoy the blessing that comes from the other person and enjoy the blessing that God will work through you and know that ultimately it's Christ who is our pastor. Jesus is our pastor. So a healthy church has spiritual leaders and this means they are marked by humility, right? Paul models this beautifully in this text. Uh, he knows it's not about him. A healthy spiritual leader knows it's not about them. They know that ultimately they can't give the growth. You know that ultimately you can't give the growth. Each of you has a role to play in the outworking and the growth and the functioning of the church. Everybody has given a gift. But guess what? You can't make it grow. You can't give the growth. That's actually freeing. Your small yoke is just to carry out the task that God has given you, and he gives the growth. Now, they're also marked by responsibility, which means that you can't walk away from the task that you've been given within the context of the church. Apollo, uh, Apollos and Paul, uh, one plants, one waters. They do it with, with excellence. They do it with all their heart. They do what God has given them with, with everything, all the strength that he's working in them. Um, they, they, they embrace their responsibility. I think we have a challenge in the church because there's too few people doing too many things. And what God really intended was that we would be like this, this body with every single person being a member who is working hand at the plow to make the church what it fully is. 
they are marked by responsibility. Now, uh, I had somebody say something helpful. This is a little note, just, uh, uh, you know, I'm gonna skip over that. I'm just looking at the time. Okay, thirdly, they're marked by unity. Um, They understand that their different tasks are part of the same work. So Paul and Apollos understand that they've each been given something to do, but at the end of the day, there's no rivalry between them because what they're doing is one thing, which is actually Christ's shepherding pastoral work of the church. They understand that. So healthy churches have spiritual leaders marked by humility, responsibility, and a sense of unity. And then the last thing as we finish up, healthy churches have spiritual outcomes. One of the biggest ways we get sideways together is to forget the purpose of the church. And the Corinthians seem to have turned church participation into uh, a means of getting personal affirmation through what we could call tribal identification. In other words, you know, they had a sense of like, you know, I'm good because I'm attached to Apollos. Or I'm good because I'm attached to Paul, right? It's like Dave sitting back there with his special Cal shirt on. He's good because he's attached to Cal and they won the big game yesterday. Had to get that out somewhere and it just, you know, just came to me right there. So, uh, so, so they were, you know, but this, okay, now just pause for a second and think about our world right now. How common is this in our world right now that people are trying to get a sense of personal affirmation through tribal identification? See, this is what explains on some degree the incredible polarization that we've seen over the last years. So this is something we're familiar with. It's not just, it's not exactly like what the Corinthian church was experienced, but we, we have a polarized environment where people are attempting to do the same thing that they were trying to do in Corinth. But the purpose of the church, Paul is saying, is not to divide people into tribes. The purpose of the church is to form a community that moves out into the world as the very presence of God in the world. That's the purpose of the church. And if we lose sight of that, then we're going to get sideways. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. And we're just going to touch on this because in in the sermon, uh, when we come back to this text, um, we're going to build this out a little bit fuller, more fully, Um, So let me just touch on it, but, you know, a number of scholars will see this this bringing up the field and the building as an allusion to the temple of God. In fact, it will become explicit in the next verses that what Paul is really talking about here is that you, the church, are now the new temple of God. Now, if you've been with us over the last months, we've been talking about temple quite a bit. The essence of the temple is that it, is, it marks the presence of God in the world. And the amazing thing is, is it goes from this, this physical building to the person of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm gonna destroy the temple and I'm gonna raise it up in three days. What are you talking about? Well, he's referring to himself. And then as he goes up into heaven, the temple, the presence of God in the world actually becomes the church. So no longer is the presence of God encapsulated in a dead building, but it's in a living community that is the church. That is the purpose of the church in the world. 
It is the presence of God. And the stones of the church are not dead objects, but living, breathing human beings, Christians who've come to faith in Jesus Christ. And each one has a particular space and role and place in this glorious temple that's so much more wonderful than the physical temple of the building, as wonderful as that was, because it's a living, breathing temple, which is the presence of God in the world. That's the purpose of the church. The church is the presence of God in the world. And that's what's utterly unique and special about the church. And you look around and you go, who, us? You know, I mean, all of our young people are off traveling to go home with this sort of oftentimes beleaguered feeling kind of group that's bumping along You know, we know our own weaknesses and flaws and incapacities, sins, struggles, all of that. We say, really, Lord? Is this your plan? And he says, yes. This is our plan. This is my plan. You are to be my presence in the world, and I will fill you with my spirit. And so you plug into the spirit. You start to look at things in a spiritual way, not in a human way, and we are gonna make magic together. That's what God says. We're gonna do amazing things together. And so this is an invitation for you to embrace the simple truth that you are a living stone in this incredible temple. You are a living stone. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. And you have a key role to play in what God is doing to manifest his presence. I, I, there are so many things that we're doing sort of under the hood to, to make this become more and more a reality where we're just sending out ambassadors and we're equipping and sending them. And I don't have time to talk about it. Hopefully in the next week's We're gonna have time to talk about it, but I am so excited to continue to live into this vision where ultimately we are sending out ambassadors from this place to impact the world, to be the presence of Christ in the world. And as this happens, uh, we will more and more fulfill our spiritual purpose uh, as a church. We will be more and more God's presence in the world. So God, would you help us? Would you help us to embrace your call upon us? Would you help us to be a spiritual people? Right now, some of us are trapped in thinking of things, thinking about the world and behaving in human ways merely. And you're calling us to to think differently, to raise our gaze, to plug into the spiritual. Lord, help us as leaders. I I see us all in some capacity have leadership in our community. Um, And so would you help us to embrace a spiritual kind of leadership that's marked by humility and a sense of responsibility. Um, And Lord, would you help us to fulfill the call that you've given to us as a church to be your presence in the world. We, We are excited to imagine what it is that you're doing in and through us. These words that what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. That's our excitement and our enthusiasm. We pray in Christ's name, amen.